Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, we are continuing our series, uh, Relation Slips. And isn't it true that a lot of our relationships, they can slip? And uh, we are going to be talking about that today and in our second weekend. And um, I know I'm looking out here and I see a lot of men here. And I'm sure your wife said, you are going to this. Most men are like, babe, we, there's nothing wrong. Like, you go, you take notes. Let me know if you learn anything, you know? Uh, it's also easy if you're single here. And I, in fact, I want to, like, see all the singles here. Raise your hand up high. I, keep them up high. I need you to look around, see what you're working with today. Um, these are all our singles here. and um, But it's easy to kind of go, man, I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk about relationships or marriage. And like, especially if you're a student and you're in high school or you're in college and you're like, you know what? I, I, like, I want to learn about that when I get married. And I want to just tell you this, this series is more for you than for married people. Because I believe that you need to be prepared for one of the biggest decisions of your life. And marriage is a big deal. Outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, your marriage is huge. It's mind-blowing that Harvard did a study and they found that one out of every three marriages fail. Like, that's crazy. Like, we wouldn't do that with anything else. If you went to the airport and you were flying southwest and they said, ladies and gentlemen, one out of three of these planes that are at this terminal aren't going to make it, you wouldn't go on that flight. You'd be like, I'm driving. I'm not doing that. Or you went to a restaurant today and they, they said when they were looking for a table, now we just want you to know you, don't, you, know, you need to wear your mask, but one out of every three people are going to die. You're like, I'm fasting. <laughs> Relationships are huge. And what happens is most of us have been, um, our opinions of, of um, marriage have been influenced by a lot of different things. Honestly, a lot of people don't even think about the marriage. They're like, um, I just want to think about the wedding. The wedding is a big deal. And I, I listen, like the wedding is everything. And like, girls, you plan for like three you know, three or four years, you, you're working on it. It's intense and you're wanting to be perfect. In fact, I saw this video. If you're getting married this summer, there's some great songs that I want. I want you to watch this video real quick. Some great songs for a wedding. Yeah, man. I tell you what, music helps us out a lot. I, uh, I love to sing. I love to sing. I, I sing in weddings, believe it or not. Um, why don't y'all shut your mouth? I had a friend call me not too long ago. He said, dude, I'm getting married. I want you to sing at my wedding. I'm like, okay, I'd be honored. When are you getting married? He goes, in two weeks. I'm like, well, thanks for the heads up. 
I said, uh, well, what do you, what do you want? He goes, well, my friend, I wanted to sing. He fell through, so I called you. <laughs> well, flattered. Thank you. I said, okay, when do you want me to sing during the wedding? He goes, well, when the bride's walking down the aisle. I want you to sing then. <laughs> you sure about that? Oh. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, uh, well, what do you want me to sing? He goes, you pick. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. Half of me's going, no way. The other half of me's like, I can make this a wedding no one's ever going to forget. <laughs> There's a lot of songs that wouldn't go well. Be very appropriate at a wedding. We're walking down that. What's love got to do? Got to do. That wouldn't be very appropriate. Uh, heard it from a friend who. Heard it from a friend who. Heard it from another you've been messing around. That wouldn't be good at all. There's a friend over that one. Oh, there's worse. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You can't always get what you want, but you can try sometimes. I just had to play that. But isn't it true that when I mean, you think back and um, when you were planning for the wedding and you were, you were thinking about like everything being perfect and, and it probably was close to perfect, the actual ceremony. And, but it didn't take long after you got married and you got into um, the marriage and that relationship, it started to slip. And you can't really put your finger on it where exactly it started, but you know, you, you soon started to realize that, you know, things aren't the same as they used to be. When you were dating or you were in, getting engaged and you were engaged, you thought you were just alike and you loved, you know, there were things you loved about that person. And now the things you love get on your last nerve. Like if you were, you know, getting engaged to Andrea, and if you're here and your name is Andrea, don't get offended, but you're getting engaged to Andrea and you're like, you know what, you're talking to your buddies and you're like, dude, Andrea is awesome. She is so organized. I need that in my life. I need to be organized. And now after you got married, you're like, she's not organized. She's a control freak. <laughs> you know, or, or ladies, you told your you know, your friends, Donnie is amazing. I just love Donnie. He's so chill. Chill. He's chill. He just kind of, I need that in my life. I need somebody just chill. And now you're like, he's not chill. He's lazy. <laughs> I meet guys that, that'll tell me they're, they're engaged and like, pastor, we are just alike. We're just, we're the same. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're gross. You have hair on your back. She doesn't have hair on her back. You're different and your differences come together and you start to kind of form this, this relationship and this marriage and man, it just kind of goes south. It slips, it slips, it slips. And now you're just kind of surviving, trying to make it through. 
And it's really sad. Because we'll spend thousands of dollars. And listen, as a pastor, I get to see a lot of things. And one of the things that I see oftentimes is that people will spend thousands of dollars on a wedding, but won't spend any money on counseling. When I mentioned going to premarital counseling, they're like, well, do we have to pay for that? Well, we just spent like $50,000 on the flowers and we're not wanting to pay $25 for premarital counseling. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just easy. It's not that we're bad people. It just happens. And we've kind of bought into some lies. And what if instead of putting so much energy into the wedding, and the wedding is wonderful, but what if we, we, we were to put preparation into the actual marriage? And you were to, to be able to see and really understand there maybe there is a different way that God's plan for your marriage is that it would flourish it's not perfect. You've got two people with problems, and when two people with problems get together, there's issues. But if you follow God's plan, you, you begin to understand that there is a different path for a marriage that flourishes. There was a study done, um, really an extensive study done by the University of Washington, where they studied 2,000 couples over um, a span of 20 years. And so this was really a um, very extensive study that they, they began to study these couples. And they were trying to figure out what's the, the ingredient, what are the key ingredients to successful marriages? And they're studying these 2,000 the couples over 20 years, and they were like, what are the key ingredients that keep people in great marriages, and what are the key, in, what, what are the key ingredients that cause marriages to go south? And they came up with two key ingredients. They said the two key, key ingredients to having a successful marriage is to have love and respect to have love <coughs> and respect. Which is really interesting because I know that a lot of us, when we think about our marriages and maybe your, your marriage is struggling and, and you're, you guys are just kind of winging it and you're like, we're struggling. And it's very easy to think that the reason why our marriage is struggling, it's because of this issue. And you're, you're specifically thinking of maybe uh, it's the in-laws. If the in-laws, if my in-laws would stay out of our marriage, we could have a great marriage. Or, you know what, it's, we've got financial problems. It's money issues that is separating. It's destroying our marriage. Or, or maybe it's, you're like the kids are just a strain on our relationship. And it's easy to, to look at a lot of these. And I'm not trying to minimize those. But the truth is, the reason why your marriage is struggling, it's not because of those outside issues. The reason why your marriage is struggling is because of these two ingredients that are not there, there's a lack of love and a lack of, of respect. This study, again, they, they did this study um, and, and one of the things that the social scientists began to under, observe when they were studying these couples is that there was always one, when there was conflict, one of the individuals in the relationship would always withdraw. Any guess which one it was, the man or woman? 
Y'all think it was the man that would always shut down and kind of withdraw? Some, are y'all scared to play today? <laughs> I'm looking out there. A lot of men in here are real nervous. You're like, I, I, I'm just going to be still. I'm going to smile. I don't want to get in trouble. It was the men. They found that men, when there was conflict, they tended to withdraw. 85% of the time, men were, would withdraw. And uh, statistically speaking, what they found is that there was a pattern to this. And they asked the, their, their wives when they were doing this research, why do you think it is that your husband is so checked out and so withdrawn in their marriage? And they couldn't really give a reason. And they asked them the second question. They asked the wives, how does it make you feel when your husband withdraws and checks out? And they all said, it makes us feel like he doesn't care about our needs, my needs. It makes me feel like I'm not loved. And there's the love word again. <coughs> they also, one of the things that they found was when they were studying these couples that when there was, when, when there was frustration in a relationship that the wives, they, they noticed something really interesting that they said wives often would express their frustration through complaining and criticism. And they asked the husbands, um, how does it make you feel when your wife is complaining and criticizing you? And what they said is, it makes me feel like I'm not good enough. It makes me feel like they don't respect me, that she doesn't respect me. Now, I'm not saying that both men and women don't need both love and respect, but what you see here is that the love numbers don't lie, that men tend to crave respect and women tend to crave love. This is really important. The study continued, uh, Dr. Uh, Emerson Egridge, which he wrote this book called Love and Respect, he decided to do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm really going somewhere because I, I want you to really grasp this today. He continued the study even after it was finished and he began to work with, these, with, with couples and he interviewed 7,000 couples. And this is what he found. He said, when he asked them, he said, when you're having conflict with each other, do you feel disrespected or do you feel unloved? This is really mind boggling. He said this, couples, answered this, 83% of the men said, I feel disrespected. 72% of the women said, I feel unloved. Now, these are from a university. These are studies. These are, are, are extensive studies to try to help us understand where the breakdown in our marriages are. And again, they found that women are craving love. They don't feel loved and men don't feel respected. You jump over to the Bible and listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter five. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Wow, did you catch that? It's like God knew 2,000 years ago what these Scientists just discovered that he knew what we crave, that men tend to crave respect, women tend to crave love. This is why it's so important that 
when you are, are stepping into marriage and wherever, whether you're just getting started in a marriage or you've been going 20 years, listen, it's never too late to stop and say, we're doing marriage wrong. We need to do it biblically. What happens is we try to weed our way, we try to figure out a way and, and it's kind of just crazy. You're trying to be a, you know, like, well, my, my you know, we, we go into marriage saying, I, I don't want to be like my parents. Most of the time that happens that you're like, I don't want to be like my mom. When it comes to my, my marriage and what happens is our default is we tend to slide right into that. And what happens is, is that we, 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 we fail to recognize that a man, a husband has a need to be respected. And we're all tangled up in the weeds of trying to sort all of this. And really the, the number one need that he has is he needs to be, feel, he needs to feel respected. Things begin to fall in line in your marriage when you begin to feel respected as a husband. When a wife begins to feel loved, things begin to line up. Things begin to start moving in the right direction. One thing, if you underline in your Bible, it says this, or you, you highlight it, it says, each man must love his wife. It, it's, it says must, which is a command. So it means we don't get a pass on it. Most of us, what happens is like, well, I love her when she starts loving me. If, if she, like, if she starts doing what I want her to do and, 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 we get our wires so crossed and we're waiting around for them to do all of these things and to, to jump through all these hoops and then we'll say, then I'll love her. See, most of our marriages are, are, are built on, they're conditional. In fact, I would go so far as to say that a lot of us have, have bought into a lie that marriages are disposable. And this is why we're kind of like standoffish a little bit. And we're kind of, well, you know what? I, I will love him. I, I will respect that man when he starts being respectable and he's not respectable. And ladies, listen to me. Your man, your, your husband, um, everywhere he looks, and you could start even with, you know, maybe he's getting in middle age and he's starting to get a dad bod. And he's not the stud he used to be. And I know <coughs> men aren't going to talk about this, but, you know, self-confidence goes out the window. And, and, and um, you know, you, maybe you've been married 20 years and he's done enough, like, dumb deals with buying cars. You know, buying a boat and like jet ski or dumb deals, dumb deals, dumb decisions. And after a while, man, it's like my husband, bless his little heart, he's dumb. <laughs> I'm not going to respect him. And we have this idea of this little dreamy picture of the man. And, and like, we like, and I, I'm going to just tell you. One of the worst things you can watch is The Bachelor. Oh, my word, did I go there? Some of you, I'm surprised some ladies in here that didn't grab their party. Like, let's leave right now. I don't like this church. I don't like this pastor. 
The Bachelor is like awful. You got like one guy, 26 women. They're filming it over three weeks. And, and, and like after, after like a couple days into this, the ladies are like, I'm in love. He's my man. He's my dream man. The man is telling me, all these girls, why don't we go get in the hot tub and see if we're compatible? <laughs> and you have this picture of what your guy's gonna look like and, he, and act like, and he's like, you know, flying you to, you know, to Paris, and he's doing all this stuff, and you're like, man, as far as we go, we go to Alvarado. We don't get past Alvarado around here. My husband won't even drive to Arlington. I'm not respecting that man. His job, he's been working the same job and, and, and like, he has no ambition. You see what, what starts to happen? It's just, it's like you are shutting him down. And the man that used to be is being destroyed out of that disrespect. Ladies, you're powerful in his life. I know there's all kinds of issues. It's complicated. There, some of, most of that is, listen, most of it is our fault. And life is complicated. And, but you're, you have a lot of power in your life. Because there are husbands in this room right now that, that you view yourself as somebody that doesn't deserve any, any respect, any admiration. You want your husband to stand up and begin to be the man that you married. Start showing respect to him. Ladies, I mean men, <laughs> some of y'all are like, man, he's, he's really hitting us hard. No, let's go to the guys. Guys, your, your wife is being bombarded every single day with images that she's not lovable, that she doesn't cut it, that she doesn't have the perfect body, that all, all of these things. And men, we can get lazy about how we show our love. All we have on the brain is sex. I don't know how did he say sex? I, listen to me. Let me just say this. Though sometimes we get nervous, man. I don't want my my sixteen year old to hear the word sex, and and we're, we're trying to protect them. And listen, the world is attacking them with that, and the church is too scared to talk about it. Sex is beautiful. It's amazing in marriage. But men, this is what happens is that we, we're, 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 we're so, you know, we, we kind of went into this and we were like, man, I, I can't wait to get married. I get married, I'm gonna get to have sex anytime I want to. All the people laughing are the married people. The single people in here are like, what? What's, that's not funny. And there's no love. There, there, it's like Valentine's. You know, you know, men, we get lazy and we're like running to the tent. 
You know what the 10 is? Ladies, y'all don't know what the 10 is. The 10 is for late. It's like, man, I, I'm so behind on this. I ain't got time to run into the tent at Kroger's. And I got to get some little token thing to give my wife to hope she feels loved. And it, it ought to be something that you, you adamantly fight for every single day to say, I want my wife to feel loved. And again, it's easy to back up and go, well, I don't, I don't want to love her. She doesn't love me back. Like, I'm, I'm going to have sex, and she's not loving me. Like, what, what, what's going on? And you're thinking that way. She's thinking he doesn't love me. And her greatest need is to feel loved. I, I want to show you this. Um, there's three declarations that I want you to write down today. And when I say declarations, these things are things that you ought to say out loud over your marriage. Uh, every single day. Number one, I'm going to let God, not my spouse, meet my needs. Let's say that together. It's on the screen. I'm going to let God. Okay, that was really sad, y'all. Come on, I need y'all to get excited here. Let's say it together. I'm going to let God, not my spouse, meet my needs. That is humongous. I know all the English teachers in here, it's humongous? <laughs> um, it's, it's huge. Most of us go into marriage thinking that our spouse is going to fulfill us, that they're going to meet our needs, and that, that, that again, um, man, I get married, and, and all my issues that I had before when I was single, listen to me, if you're lonely when you're single, when you get married, you're going to be a, a lonely married person. If you got a porn addiction before you get married, when you get married, you're going to have a porn addiction if you don't address it. Don't think just because you get married that your porn addiction is going to go away. You need to address those issues before you go into the marriage because those issues, what are going to do is they're going to make you try to get your spouse to meet all those needs. And I'm just going there. Men, listen to me. If you're looking at porn, you're creating an expectation that can never be met. If you have an, a, an addiction to drugs, addiction to gambling, you, you need to address that before you get married. Because what happens is we go into marriage thinking that, that our spouse is going to be our savior. And that they're going to fulfill me. They're, they're going to they're, they're gonna help me feel like all of these things. And, and we get disappointed real quick. Because your spouse cannot... Meet your needs. I think one of the greatest breakthroughs that could happen today is that you could release your spouse from meeting your needs. I don't need my spouse. I, I like saying, I don't need them to meet my needs. God is the one that meets my needs. So they're free to love you. You're not gauging how they love you. And, and, and you're like, well, I, man, I'm so so insecure on the inside and, and, and I got all these issues from, from my childhood and I'm going and, and, and she's not saying or he's not saying the right words to build me up and you got this chip on your shoulder and, and no matter how much they tell you they love you or, or respect you, if you are looking to them to meet your needs, it doesn't work. 
I think some of you, listen to me, you are destroying your marriage by believing that your spouse can meet all your needs. If you have problems with your parents right now, single people, high school student, let me tell you something. You think it's just no big deal that, that you're fighting your parents and, and you don't get along with them and you think they're like, hate you and all this stuff. And if you don't resolve that and you don't work through that with them, you'll carry that into your marriage and your spouse will become the next person you're angry at. That was really good. I know nobody wants to amen today, but that's all right. I'm gonna amen myself today. Um, we have these identity crises because we, again, are trying to look to our spouse to meet our needs, and it doesn't work. This is why you're, I'm just going to say it like it is, your butt needs to be in church. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You cannot, you cannot just leave the church and the Word of God and all this out, and you're just kind of, oh, my spouse, and, and some of us are hollowed out on the inside where so our souls are starving and we're sapping the life out of our spouse because we're trying to get them to meet our needs and Jesus Christ is the only one that can meet your needs. You want to feel loved? You can't feel loved by just telling yourself, I'm lovable, I'm lovable. The only way to feel true, true love and that, that self-worth and that self-esteem, it has to come from Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you. Number two, I will let God, not my words, change my... Oh, let me read one last scripture before we go on to the next one. Philippians 4.19. It says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need Number two, second declaration, I will let God, not my words, change my spouse. Let's say that together. I will let God, not my words, change my spouse. A lot of us are convinced if we'll just uh, say the right word and, and chew them out enough time or nagging them, and, and we're going to change them. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is addressing, uh, uh, it's written actually, he's talking about a wife whose husband is not a believer. And in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, your godly lives will speak to him better than words. He will be won over by watching your pure godly behavior. Again, this is, um, this is that respect. This is that love where you give this godly behavior towards your spouse. And listen, I've, I've not met the guy yet that says, you know, my life was really changed. My wife nagged me, nagged me, nagged me, and I finally changed My husband griped and griped and griped and griped and griped, and man, I'm a new person. That doesn't work. You got to let God change them. I love what Francis Chan says this sincere and concentrated prayer will do infinitely more than any human strategy for a happy marriage. Praying for your spouse is a great place to start. You pray for them, you ought to be praying for them all the time. It's hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying for them. But again, a lot of us, we, we have just kind of just let marriage happen. We're lazy about, our, about being intentional. And we're just like, I don't know what happened. We, we, our marriage is awful. 
And we just kind of push all that out and we're just kind of sloppy with our words and we're crushing each other with just crazy stuff. And for some of us, listen to me, it's going to take a lot of discipline to to rebuild a new rut in your in your life where you discipline yourself and you say, you know what, my, my goal with my wife is I, I need to, I want her to feel loved. My goal with my husband is I want him to feel respected. Number three, I'm going to give to my spouse even if they don't do the same for me. I'm gonna to give to my spouse even if they don't give to me the same to me. You know, a lot of us um, have allowed small things in our life to kind of get a big old wedge inside of us, and we're, we're not willing to give to our spouse. And I, I brought this wedge up here. And, you, you know, when you look at a wedge, this is a, a wooden door wedge, but there's a purpose, there's a reason why it's, it's real small at one end and real big on the other end. And it's easy to put the wedge in and get it started because it's real small right here. And a lot of us, what happens is that for us in our life, we've allowed little things to create this wedge in our marriage. And it started out as something really small, but it's grown and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And it has created a big old wedge. And when I think of it this I think of how the enemy uses our selfishness and our, our issues as a wedge in our life where he says, you know what, it's okay. I'm just, he's waiting around for you to push this wedge in deeper and, and really lodge the door wide open so the enemy can come in and start to try to cause all kinds of havoc in your marriage. And right now, I really believe there's people in this place that you're in a crucial season where the enemy is trying his best to take a little bit of unforgiveness, to take a little bit of of bitterness, a little bit of resentment of you're not there for me and you didn't do this and you spent more money than I did and all of this junk. It just starts as a little wedge and the enemy is gonna make sure it gets pushed in deep so the door is wide open for your marriage. And one of the things that I've found is when the, that wedge is pushed in really deep into your soul, the last thing you wanna do is be giving. The last thing you wanna do is give love or respect. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, are to love their wives with the same love that Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life. If you want to have a great marriage, you got to be willing to give up some things. Be willing not to allow the wedges in your life. Not to allow these wedges that that get pushed into your marriage and hold that door wide open and and to the place that, you know, when the enemy is working, the last thing you wanna do is do anything for anybody. The last thing you wanna do is be giving. The last thing you wanna do is to give up anything. What, What can you give up in your marriage to have a great relationship? 
What are you willing to give up? Is it maybe that online relationship with somebody that your spouse is saying, I don't like that relationship. And you're like, well, we're just talking on Facebook or we're just emailing each other. Are you willing to give up some of your schedule? Again, if, if the wedge is so holding the door wide open and the enemy is working, the last thing you wanna do is, is give up anything and giving up part of our schedule for our marriage can be one of the greatest things you can do for your marriage. I wanna give you this homework today and um, I don't want you to do this right now. I just, I want you to maybe sometime throughout today, maybe you're sitting out in the back patio in this beautiful weather. And the homework that I want to give you this week is that um, I want you to finish this sentence. Husbands, I want you to finish this sentence with your wife. I feel respected when, and then name it. And just finish it. Wives, I want you to finish the sentence. I feel loved when you do this. And you might be really surprised. what it does to your marriage when you bring love and respect. I wanna ask you to stand. I'm gonna dismiss you in just a few moments, but I wanna pray over you. You know, if you've come today with a, a special need and man, our pastoral staff wanna pray with you and for this season, one of the things that we're doing is just if you would email the, the, the specific prayer request that you have, if it's for healing or you email that and our, one of our pastors will call you and we wanna pray with you. But I, I specifically wanna take a, a moment right now and pray for our relationships. If you're standing next to your spouse, I want you to take them by the hand, put your arm around them, whatever you wanna do. If you're single, don't grab somebody else's hand. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, hey. No. God's put you guys together. And I'm praying that as you walk out of here and you say, you know what? If I got to go write it on a card and stick it on my mirror, if I got to put a card in my, in my car to remind me is that that love and respect is a big deal. That ladies, you, you go out of your way to find ways to, sh to help your husband feel respected. That men, you go out of your way, that you fall all over yourself, making your wife feel so loved. Father, I pray over every marriage here. <coughs> I pray that God, you would heal us. God, I know that a lot of us that are standing in this room right now, God, we've made a mess of things. 
We started off great. We started running as hard as we could and we realized we've been running in the opposite directions. And we've lost what we used to have. Father, right now, would you heal your hearts? God, you are the only one that can meet our needs. You are the only one that can heal us. Our spouse cannot heal us. They cannot, they don't have that capacity. Jesus Christ, I pray for your healing power in this place. Heal the men in this place. Heal the women in this place. Bring healing, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, in advance, God, for the the miracles that are going to take place in marriages and in relationships. I thank you, God, in advance for for marriages that, God, are on the verge of calling it quits, that, God, today something supernatural would happen. I thank you for this, God. I thank you for this, God. I thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.